Welcome back to Batting Around. It's Batting Around. It's a baseball podcast. I am your co-host, Jane Austen. With me, as always, is Lauren. I'm Lauren. That's Lauren and Steven. Yep. All right. A lot to get into. Uh, this week, uh, was trade deadline last week. Steven, you had a bit of a road trip, though. You went to some, I did. some parks. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, you want to talk about that for a little bit? I went to... <laughs> Uh, my boyfriend Cameron is in town from uh, Toronto, and my other fr- our mutual friend and I we were all talking about like oh what do we want to do we do we want to like have a trip, and the subject of oh both of them have never been to PNC and really wanted to go to see a Pirates game and I was like oh okay cool yeah. like I could totally do that it's only four and a half hours, um, I'm totally comfortable driving that and back in a day that's fine sure and i was like okay hopefully they're home and have a day game on sunday and i checked and they did <laughs> and it was against the philadelphia phillies of course <laughs> you can't get away from them they, they follow you as much as you follow them <laughs> i like i cannot i cannot emphasize enough how little their them being there factored into my decision to go like it is just it's so funny it's the second time that's happened this year i did the same thing with cincinnati um and similarly to my visit to cincinnati to see its ballpark primarily uh the phillies kicked the absolute bejesus out of the uh their opposing team so yeah both both the Cincinnati game and the Pittsburgh game I went to, the Phillies won by, like, more than 10 runs. It was very stupid. We're doing a tag team here, because as soon as this is over, I am heading to the Nats ballpark to watch the Nationals probably get beaten by the Phillies. Oh, holy shit! <laughs> I didn't even realize... You, you mentioned you were going to the game, I didn't realize it was... The yeah, well, I, I messed up the timeline. I thought they'd be playing the Cubs, who also are mm. first now, but... Oh. The Nationals and the Cubs in particular are very interesting teams to discuss at the moment. That was a grim, great segue. Yeah, yeah. That's a it's a great segue here. So trade deadline talk. Yeah. There was it was it was quite a trade deadline. It was like one of the, the busiest of, that have that there's been in years. Uh I think I saw that there was the most all stars dealt of like yeah. any year. Yeah. It was uh, goofy <laughs> as fuck. Yeah. And it was it was really interesting with both like the NL East or excuse me, the NL West and the AL East both having uh, a lot of teams competing in them and those having like big money teams on them with, you know, good farm systems. There were a lot of, a lot of big deals made. Yeah. A lot of, yeah, yeah a lot it of was intrigue really, really interesting. Too, like, uh, Very much so. Misreported or too early reports and then, oops. Um, Some backtracking on the, on the tweets lots of, from the lots Bob of backtracking. and so on. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, Bob. <laughs> Bob Nightingale out there doing Bob Nightingale <laughs> things. It's beautiful, folks. He's already gotten off to a start of like cursing the White Sox before the second half oh, even God. really gets started. I can't. Like what? Uh, mm. Mm. My take. Yeah. My my takeaway for the whole uh, my overall takeaway the deadline uh, of the uh, trade deadline um, is that a lot of these teams really do seem to think they have a shot of a of a playoff run, not necessarily just a wild card. Um, and then there are some teams that took an opportunity to sell, uh, and they didn't take the full teardown that we've seen in recent years, and instead seem to think that they um, can trade for kind of talent in the medium to near future and maybe be competitive sooner than expected, which is I also find a lot more promising than the 
uh, full teardowns of a couple years ago where they were going back to the basics and trading for, you know, single A, double A guys who were very high talent, um, high risk, high reward guys. Just grabbing a whole bunch of lottery tickets. Yeah. Yeah. It feels Basically, like yeah. it feels like the tr- there were several teams that or the, the of the teams that really sold the heaviest. Uh, they seem to think that they can win in the short term with uh, near MLB ready talent. Um, and there were some teams that didn't do a ton, but they bolstered kind of their weakest parts of uh, their their lineup. There's like five or six teams that are competitors where you can say they improve their offense and uh, improve their bullpen, which, you know, are the kind of two things every playoff contender wants to do. And uh, they did it. Not all, not all as well as some others, but uh, there's really only a couple teams where you're kind of left going, what, what the fuck were you guys thinking? And those are Rockies. Those are all the teams you'd expect. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so where do we want to start? Um, should we just start like with the, 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 the biggest winner, like the most obvious, like the, the, Let's do it. the oh, we, team do, that are, really defined kind do of, we the, have a winners and losers column. Oh yeah. No, I, 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 I want to, I want the re- the listeners to know I, I put a shitload of work into this. I wrote hell yeah, like 1500 words on all the different, on every single team is included with at least some information. Uh, I did like a pretty big breakdown of all the guys that the nationals received. We probably won't get into all of that, but um, just stunt on us, Lauren, walk I, us through it. I just need everybody to, uh, who's listening to know I, I um, do less work than Jane because she edits, but much more work than Steven. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Steven does nothing. Steven is the peanut gallery, which is fine. We love you for that. I just, I, I need to make sure my, place in the hierarchy here is secured um steven's the heart yes for sure yes exactly yeah uh but yeah like the the biggest winner is obviously the dodgers right yes like clearly the to recap uh the dodgers uh received max scherzer and trey turner the best pitcher and the best position player up for grabs uh turner's a free agent uh not this offseason but the next offseason so he's gonna carry them through to this uh, all-star incredible shortstop class uh this offseason although they still might go after Corey seager with an eye on long term and third base um and then they also traded for danny duffy which like people are sleeping on but will probably be a really effective kind of mid-innings role reliever when he's back from injury um uh but yeah adding scherzer also critically means uh the padres don't get him which was like the, what we all kind of thought right. was going to happen uh and they needed that wild card contender you know the guy you, you give the ball to in a, a one one game playoff series a lot more than the Giants or uh, Dodgers did, although the Giants also probably really wanted someone. Uh, but yeah, both both uh, both the Giants and the uh, Padres needed a, a you know an ace more than the Dodgers did because the Dodgers have like three aces, and they they gave up really talented near MLB ready guys to get it. Um, Josiah yeah, Gray. Yeah, the Dodgers yeah. gave up their best. Their best uh, hitting and pitching prospects. Yeah, they're two top prospects by several rankings. Uh, Josiah Gray and Kiebert Ruiz. Josiah, both to the Nationals. Now, um, Josiah Gray is actually starting for the Nationals tonight. It'll be his uh, debut at the team. Kiebert Ruiz is like one of the top prospects in the game, uh, not just in the Dodgers farm system. But they're also guys that the Dodgers probably, you know, uh, weren't going to be in their long-term plans. They already have an all-star catcher, and they're loaded with starting pitching talent. Uh, they can afford to trade away top prospects like that in a way that basically no one else can. It's amazing what having some money, will you know, being willing to spend it, 
uh, and then also having a, a smart, good scouting department and yeah. development department. And development will, will will turn, like who could just create uh, good catchers like out of thin air. Yeah. Yeah. They make it look easy. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, they, they've been hit by injuries as hard as anyone. Kershaw's on the IL, so is T- Tony sure. Gonsolin. Uh, they, they benefit hugely from the trade as, as much as anyone else. And after them, I, well, do you guys have anything else to say to the Dodgers? It's stupid that they keep doing this, yeah. but, you know, <laughs> we're used to it. Yeah, that was one of the, that was one of the questions um, that somebody, somebody sent in was basically like, why do the Dodgers keep doing this to me? You know, as a Dodgers <laughs> hater um, saying that. And it's like, well... Yeah, because they have they have the will to do it. Yeah, <laughs> basically, yeah. Uh, a lot of teams just kind of don't because all the all the teams have money. Yeah, they like they, they they could all spend a, a, like a lot of money. Nope. They could all have hired smart good people, <laughs> but they didn't yeah. do it. The Dodgers alone are really like giving two middle fingers to the to the uh, cat to the cap and the, right. the tax the the cap taxes. Are uh, they? How many teams are over the cap? Over the threshold? I think it's like. Uh, I don't know the exact number, but the the next biggest team that like added people uh, intentionally kind of handicapped the their possible return to stay under the cap, and that's the mm. Yankees. Like they're they're not the only team over the cap right now, but they they're the only one that's like not four or five million over, but like fifty or sixty million. Some I I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but um, they're they're really they're they're in a league of their own in terms of like competing uh, with dollars, uh, which is good. You know they're the one of the biggest markets in the country. Uh, they should be flexing like this to show everybody else who's boss. Uh, I have nothing but respect for uh, a good team getting better by spending money uh, for talent and also not hoarding prospect capital so they can stay cheaper in years to come. I think that pretty much says it about the Dodgers. So let's move on to uh, yeah. who are we talking about next? Probably the Yankees. We next want to talk about like the other, the other team, the, yeah. the next team in terms of like probability added to win uh, versus where they were before. Uh, they added. And they also had the biggest, they also gave up the most talent to get there, um, getting Anthony Rizzo from the Cubs and Joey Gallo from the Rangers. Uh, and they really needed left-handed hitting, left-handed, they needed left-handed contact hitting and they got left-handed power hitting like they already had. Or they got power hitting when they uh, don't really have anybody who actually just gets on base. But uh, that's fine. They, they need that. Um, they got Andrew Heaney from the Angels, who is a starting pitcher, and they got some bullpen help, which is okay. Uh, if they had been willing to spend money and go over the luxury uh, threshold cap, they probably could have gotten a lot more talent uh, to bolster their rotation. They're kind of banking now on guys coming back from injury and, and performing immediately, which is a risk, especially in a really tight division. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure I would be comfortable with that risk in that division because no. you're fighting with four teams there. Yeah. And it's not like they're already sitting on top and they yeah, have to exactly. anybody off. They have a climb to get there. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to add talent... Uh, on the roster, jo- Joey Votto is, or sorry, not Joey Votto, Joey Gallo is the guy to add. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, a, a lot of teams have been, you know, eyeing him up uh, for years, years now, trying to trying to part him from the Texans um, or from the Rangers. Excuse me. Um, that's been yeah for a long time coming, and yeah. it sounds like they they just were not able to extend him or willing, I should say, to extend him. Uh, no, so the, the Rangers are, are Yankees got them. Were a bad team that got significantly worse, and it's going to be grim there for a couple of yes. years. But they did get some good, good prospects from the the Yankees. It wasn't they got fair value. I uh, I think is kind of the industry consensus uh, for mm-hmm. a year of a year and a half of Joey Gallo. Um, but the the Yankees come out on top um, in regards because they don't have uh, you know who you don't really need that much pitching if you're scoring seven or eight runs per game. Yeah. True. All right. 
uh, let's let's keep it in the AL East here, then. Who do we want to talk about next? Yeah, sure. Uh, how about the Blue Jays? They were the other one that I thought had a pretty impressive uh, return. Uh, and I, and yeah. I think people are, are a little bit lower on their front office's ability to uh, make big deals. Like, I, I saw a lot of people saying, like, what more could the Blue Jays really get than what they got? Uh, and they did fill their, their biggest hole. Um, I should I should be more careful about how I phrase these things on this podcast in particular. Um, <laughs> they added Jose Bar- Bar- uh, Brios from the Twins. You, you know yeah. you deal more about him than I do, but they've got him now for this half season and next season, and that was by far their uh, biggest problem on the roster was starting pitching. Yeah, and with Brios, you get a guy that on almost every team would be a first or second mm-hmm. you know, starting pitcher. He's never been on the injured list his entire career you know always has a sub four era just mm-hmm. like he is a workhorse he's 27 he's you know he's in his prime um, he's entering his prime he's in his yeah. yeah he's in his prime like he looks better this year than he has like any other year mm-hmm. he had a bad rookie year but like he's just been solid mm-hmm. ever since so like no they got they, they got a great uh, a great piece there and he's probably the guy they go to in a wild card game over over ray or Ryu at this point i think you yeah. probably go with go with brios to start and Maybe one of those two guys for the fourth, fifth, sixth innings. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But then they also added um, Brad Hand and jo- Joaquin Soria to their bullpen, both of whom are really good. And their bullpen, as we talked about with Andrew last week, has really been kind of the biggest disaster for them. Um, and they shore that up. And if they can compare that with their offense clicking uh, finally, with all the members clicking together, uh, they could have the best offense in the game and good enough pitching to get them there. Um, okay. Where do we go? Well, Where are we going next? Uh, I think if we're still sticking to teams kind of in the order that I think that they made the biggest offseason splashes, I think the, sure. the White Sox probably did the most to uh, improve uh, their their flaws. Uh, they, they didn't necessarily do enough. They could be another team where they, they could have added more. Um, but mm-hmm. there's only so much you can do when you have a really great rotation, a really great offense, a pretty decent bullpen. Uh, and they added to that... Um, Cesar Hernandez at second base, uh, who's league average uh, across the board, uh, and you know good enough to replace uh, the guy they gave up for uh, Craig Kimbrell to pretty much be the best uh, eighth inning man in the league, setting Nick Madrigal to the Cubs for long term contact uh, oriented second base. Absolutely wild. Yeah, that was a big that trade. Big. Yeah. That they, uh, uh, as a Twins fan. I'm pretty happy with this. <laughs> that that like you're not going to have yeah. to see yeah, not going to have to see Nick Madrigal for, you know, 5 6 more years. Mm-hmm. Uh instead they're, you know, who cares about Craig Kimbrell this year <laughs> and then there's a 16 million dollar option on him next year. Mm-hmm. Which the White Ooh, Sox and, probably can afford to pick up. They don't have a right. they could probably do it if they want to. And I hope they do. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I hope, I hope they spend that money. And they also picked up Brian Tapera who's who's uh, not a, a big yeah. name, but uh, quite good. Uh, their bullpen wasn't terrible, uh, but it's it's significantly better now. Uh, and mm-hmm. they're also offensively kind of hoping Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert come back from injury. And uh, kind of they've been flagging a little bit in recent games. And those two I guys thought, really uh, needed to. I thought Eloy together. was dead. They were like carrying yeah, around his jersey yeah. and stuff. At the he is risen. And yeah, like he was uh, like he was dead. That was still maybe the funniest thing from the first half of the season was absolutely hilarious. everybody acting like he had been hit by a, by a bus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, where are we going next? Ah, uh, we can go back to the NL West. I think the Giants and Padres both had kind of bigger hopes for the uh, deadline than ended up actually materializing, but neither one did badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the Giants. 
took another shot on a guy who's going to be around for half a year and in, in getting Chris Bryant from the Cubs for not a huge return. Yeah, they. I think they got a pretty good, <laughs> good deal for him. Yeah, all things considered. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he does, you know, they, they did need some offensive help, especially with um, Evan Longoria out. Uh, he, he fills a place at third base for now and can go to the outfield when Longoria is back. So, yeah. And then the Padres, you know, they, they, they wanted a lot more than they got. They wanted Scherzer really bad. They ended up getting Adam Frazier. Uh, they were linked to Barrios for a long time. <laughs> it seemed like that's where he was going. Yeah. And then all they ended up getting was, was uh, Daniel Hudson from the Nationals to improve the bullpen, which isn't bad. Hudson's a good pitcher, yeah. but... Uh, Mariznick and Frazier aren't really the offensive talent they wanted. They didn't really get the starting pitching talent they needed. So yeah, it's it's not bad. Like the return's not bad, but if you take into consideration all the people that they were in on, and like yeah. even it was it was even reported uh, that like Scherzer was close to going there, and it's just yep. like really close to have all of that, and then to have what you got as a Padres fan has to be extremely frustrating. Absolutely, especially like I, I think at this point, it's, it probably feels like, especially with um, Tatis going on the injured list, it really does feel like they're maybe mm-hmm. the the team on the outside of that wild card of that second wild card. They're probably still going to get it. It's probably still going to be a, a second and third in the NL West battle for the almost wild certainly. Card. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, but uh, they're definitely in a worse shape. Who else is up there? Yeah. Cincinnati. Yeah, Cincinnati is Cincinnati's like, the only one like, close. Yeah, they were like six games back. One of them would need like that last time. I one of those, one of the three NL teams oh, would need to have now. like a collapse, oh. and one of the mm-hmm. NL Central or East teams would need to suddenly be much better than they are. <laughs> it's not happening in the NL East. Uh, it's not happening in the NL Central. Uh, like I don't think so. But in a wild card game, uh, yeah. Do, do, does, do the Giants or the Padres either of them really have the starting pitching to lock it down like uh, the team with Scherzer presumably could have? Mm. Or, sure. you know, if yeah. the Giants hold on to the lead and, and it's Scherzer um, tandem with, like, Kershaw or Bueller versus uh, whoever's starting games for the Padres. Uh, I, presumably uh, Darvish, but uh, beyond him, who knows? Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm probably low on their starting pitching, um, but uh, I would be frustrated if I was a Padres fan. I still don't think they have any uh, anything to complain about. No, not at all. <laughs> that not, not, compared to, yeah. Yeah, not compared to almost every other fan base. That's true. So where are we going next uh, then? Uh, there's like this class of three teams that I think did get better meaningfully, but didn't really make any super huge splashy uh, trades that are going to like redefine their uh, how, what people think of them. That's the Brewers, Athletics, and Astros. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of them did get better both on offense and mostly in the bullpen. Um, Astros not on offense. I shouldn't say that. Um, Astros got significantly better in the bullpen, but their offense is already so good that it didn't really need too much. Uh, right. Brewers got Eduardo Escobar and Wiley Adamas a little bit before the trade deadline. And are always kind of baking on their starting pitching trio being uh, incredibly good for the rest of the season, which could be risky, but could work great for them. Athletics uh, got Starling Marte and uh, yeah. Josh Harrison and Jan Gomez were all actually um, not as good as, as Starling Marte, but better than you'd think. And uh, in, in, shockingly, uh, the trade deadline got a bullpen guy, Andrew Chafin, the sheriff. <laughs> all got better none really uh became like significantly drastically better but um all like if i were a fan of those teams i'd feel like uh needs were addressed they did something anyway yeah and starling Marte, yeah great he's really great good addition to yeah. the A's, yeah uh, and they didn't really break the bank getting him from uh, the marlins either right uh the the next four teams i think did get better but like you're still kind of like what 
were you guys doing? Do you really care about this stuff? Like, what's going on? Like, how committed are you to this year and winning? Hmm. That's it. And I may be being a little bit unfair to some of those guys. Hmm. I'm definitely not being unfair to the Phillies or Mets. I'm, I am may be being no. a little bit unfair to the Red Sox and Rays. Uh, all, all AL or NL East teams, you'd notice, in these mm-hmm. weird, freaky, uh, like, gut rot divisions. <laughs> uh, do, do we want to start with the NL East or the AL East? Sure. Let's go NL East. Let's do let's it. Rip the Band-Aid rip off the Steven band-aid here. Off. Let's let's talk about uh, adding a ground ball pitcher when you have one of the worst defenses in the league. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he did pretty well yesterday. <laughs> He's a good pitcher. He's a great pitcher. He's been yep. playing really well for the, the Rangers. Um, I didn't write down in my notes his name for some reason. Well, we made we Talk made about it. Kyle Gibson. Kyle Gibson. Yes, thank you. <laughs> we made our our defense better by bringing back Freddie Galvis. Yeah, that's something. That's one out of uh, nine guys. Yep. <laughs> it wasn't a bad move, but like... No, not at all. It being the only move is, like, functionally the only move is mm-hmm. extremely bad. And as, what as is, we said... What are you doing? Yeah. And, and as we said, there's there's no wild card for the second best team in the NL East this no. year. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... I mean, I get, I get that they have nothing. Because they draft like shit, and they've been, like, a 500 team for, like, three years now. Mm-hmm. I get that they don't have assets. But when they... Oh God, I forget which... One of the deals that they made, like, they took, like... Basically, they, they, they tried their best to stay firmly under the luxury tax yeah. threshold... Despite the fact that they were, they put out rumors like last week saying like the oh like we might be going over the tax like anything to make the team better and like like nobody was like oh okay yeah let's oh my god like they're doing it like everybody was clearly like are you sure though but like the fact that they even like put nobody that out into them. the world and then did this is just like fuck you just fuck you come on guys what are we doing here. Like you're literally you're literally sitting there crossing your fingers that this group of fucking losers can finally learn how to win some goddamn games <laughs> and that the Mets will mets things up, which is an easy which is which is a more likely that is yeah, way yeah. more likely it, to envision it's a very real than, possibility. You know, the Phillies winning like five games in a row, literally at any point during this season. But you need both of those things to happen. In fairness, also winning five games in a row is pretty hard, even for a really good team. But uh, I, I, I think if the um, NL East was won by the Phillies at the end of the year, I would not be horribly shocked. Um, it is, it, it is, it is a distinct right. possibility. Yeah, I'd say there's like the second best team in that division. I don't think the and I don't think the uh, Braves had a particularly better uh, trade deadline, and they're in a worse shape overall. So yeah, I, I think there's you know uh, not going to call it hope for Phillies fans. Um, hope is the wrong word. Hope implies like it, we like don't it, use that word around no, these parts. No, like if you were trapped at the bottom of a cave, um, you would hope for some kind of like rope to come down. Mm-hmm. Here we're rooting for someone else in the cave to, to die of starvation first, so you can eat them mm-hmm. and survive a few days longer. Which is not hope. I don't know what I don't know what the emotion <laughs> attached to that is. Grim, grim resolve. The Mets definitely did better than the Phillies did. 
They did, but they also lost DeGrom until September, so I'm going to call it a wash. Yeah. That's they, the other thing. They got Javier Baez from the Cubs, who was a great player. They didn't mm-hmm. send a ton of uh, stuff for him. Great player, fun player. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and he, he helps their, roster, their, their offense, and they need the help. Um, Pitching-wise, they really probably needed someone better than Rich Hill. Uh, mm-hmm. Trevor bullpen wise, they probably need someone better than Trevor Williams. Although he's really pretty interesting, um, but I don't know uh, if you really if they really wanted to cement cement their lead on the NL East. I I think everybody, including their fans, agrees they probably should have done more and not sent back uh, and not taken fewer uh, prospects for um, uh, cash. Um, well, yep. scrap it. Yeah. Funny how teams keep doing this. Yeah. Anyway, then it's the Red Sox and the Rays and the AL East who I don't think got. <laughs> significantly better um, they both added like big bats and not much else nelson cruz for the rays kyle schwarber for the red Sox. i think cruz is a much more established figure to be really yeah big improvement for that offense than, uh, <laughs> yeah yeah a little bit <laughs> just like you know one of the best hitters in baseball for like consistently for the last no. you know six seven years or whatever yeah and i think they also both did some bullpen work i don't really care they're both hey the red Sox got hansel robles <laughs> no 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 <laughs> And I, I don't know what they're going to do with Schwarber. Like, is he going to play outfield? He's kind of a... I guess he can like, play first base. I don't he's think a, a weird addition for them. Because it's like... Yeah, because like you put him in left field, but Verdugo's there. He's... I don't think he's... I don't think Schwarber's ever played first base in the majors. That's so weird to me. I don't know. It's very bizarre. It's a. It's weird. It's a weird move. They have a full-time DH. Right. J.D. Martinez, yeah, Martinez is the is DH. DH yeah. it's, it's really bizarre. Whatever. Just another <laughs> guy off the bench, I guess. Neither one really got like significantly better. They both they both improved without like dramatically improving. But the you know, the race gave up a such a shit show. The race gave up yeah. quite a bit for a couple months of Nelson Cruz too. They gave up some some pretty good pitching prospects. Yeah, but they can just, I mean, they, they can just like three D print <laughs> incredible <laughs> prospects at will. So like yeah. that's true. At, like the Rays, the Rays overpaying for someone li- doesn't matter no. because no. they have infinite prospect capital they've got like some mod turned on yeah but that's really all the teams i think are like actively trying to win it's it's less than half the league but it's still um better than we've seen in recent years so that's cool and there i shouldn't say that no other teams are trying to win there are other teams that are probably trying to win but are doing so in weird ways i don't understand like the mariners reds braves cardinals yeah the cardinals one uh, was a very strange trade where they yeah. got they got J Hap for John Gant and they got and then John Lester, John like, Lester for yeah, yeah. John Lester and J Hap for like, Lane Thomas right yeah. two they they picked up two you know <laughs> call them veterans when I mean guys that have one foot in the grave and one on the pitching rubber <laughs> and then was the John Lester one just psychological warfare for the cubs <laughs> maybe maybe like i like i what, what i think it? what i think it actually was is i think uh they just needed some to eat innings and the yeah. nationals and i think they also thought lane thomas wasn't going to work out in san in um uh st louis and and maybe he could go to the, get a fresh start with the the nationals on a mm. team with lower expectations do we want to start talking about the sellers now then yeah i think yeah i think we can talk about them before we talk about the teams that are just like totally forgettable sure yeah, and the the biggest seller um, also got the back the best prospects. That's the Nationals. Um, if if you're okay with the idea of a team tearing down a bit uh, without going down to the studs, I think anybody, I think most people are saying industry wide that the Nationals had a pretty good sell off. 
the a lot of talent they traded for are uh, guys like Gray and, and Ruiz, who could be in the majors this year or next year. Uh, they added, what's the stat I saw on MLB TV? Um, 10 of their 30 top prospects are now guys they traded for this offseason. Or wow. sorry, in the, in the middle of this season. And most of those guys are ready 2022, 2023 projected. They're, most of those guys are like 40, 40 plus um, value prospects according to fan graphs. And it's like a mix of uh, pitching and, and infield talent. Um, sorry, it's a, it's a mix of pitching and, and hitting talent. Some of whom will be great, some of whom I'm sure will be busts, but they're really just looking for guys who can kind of complement the uh, the young core that they have left, and now it's really on that young core to kind of develop. That core is like, um, obviously, Gray and Ruiz. Obviously, Soto's the guy they build around for the next, hopefully, like 10 years. And it's up on now to like for Carter Keboom, Victor Robles, uh, Eric Fetty, uh, and then in 2022, Cade Cavalli to kind of prove that they can be good enough to... Uh, like spend and get veterans, um, veteran free agents around to kind of do the the, the uh, stars and scrubs strategy that got them a World Series in 2019, which is what they're going to do. I think that's their strategy is they're going to keep Corbin and Strasburg on the roster, hope those guys turn around and, and then spend a bunch more money on free agents and try to get by uh, paying probably just Soto and, and the rest of these guys not a ton of money for a couple of years and uh, do what they can with the talent they have and, and sign to fill the gaps where they can with veterans. But they really need to pay Soto. <laughs> yeah, they really, yes, yes. Yeah, he's in ARB too. He's about to start making a fuck ton of money, uh, and they should lock him down and secure it and, and do good by him. Absolutely. All right. And they can. They have a bunch of money off the co- on off the contracts now. Yeah, tons of it. Just give him that huge ten year contract. Just do it. Yeah, just do it. Write write the five hundred million dollar check. It'll all be deferred. They do. That's what they always do. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's totally. They can be fine. paying him until twenty fifty four. It's it's whatever. Yeah. Who do we got next? Uh, Cubs and the Rangers are the team that kind of yeah. tore down uh, in an attempt to get better. The Cubs, I think, like the Nationals, think they could be competitive in just two or three years, year one or two, one or two years. Uh, getting Mick, Mick, Nick Madrigal is a sign that they want to do that. Um, I don't really see it as clearly as for them as for the Nationals because they don't really have a, a Juan Soto type. But I don't know. Um, NL Central is also a lot more open than the NL East for sure. So. Yeah. And then the Rangers just, you know, they sold their best player, their best pitcher, and their closer. Uh, they got back some good prospects, but it's not going to be fun to go to games at Arlington for the rest of the year, at least. Probably wasn't going to be fun yeah. <laughs> anyway for a while. No, no. <laughs> oh, and the Marlins. The Marlins got even better pitching. Yeah, I, I mean, I've I've been to a lot of Kyle Gibson starts, uh, and oh, he's yeah, a he's a much better pitcher, and or he's well, kind of, yeah, he's a better pitcher now than he was with the Twins, <laughs> but yeah, not the most fun. You're not missing a whole lot there. No. The Marlins got Jesus Lazardo from the A's. Oh, that was yeah. that's not an insignificant um, former top prospect to pick up. Uh, at some point, they should probably start trading all of their future aces for guys that can hit the ball. Uh, <laughs> but they could, they could, you know, their their rebuild I think is going better than um, a lot of others at a kind of a comparable stage, like the Orioles or the uh, maybe the Tigers. Sure, sure. Because their their rotation is probably really looking really promising for next season. That's really all the teams that I think are also like selling in any meaningful way. I don't know if we really need to talk about the rest of the teams, especially not the AL Central, where <laughs> God only knows what Cleveland, uh, the Tigers, Twins, and Royals are up to. It's grim. <laughs> it's going to be bad. Has anybody checked on them? The t- <laughs> we need to make a phone uh, call. Yeah. Cleveland's was like, very bizarre. There was a question about this where somebody asked what the most LMAO deadline deal was. Uh, and 
the dumping Eddie Rosario's salary just so to you know yeah. just so they could grab Pablo Sandoval and DFA him right away uh, mm-hmm. is a very weird move. Yeah. <laughs> like they had like three million dollars left to pay Eddie Rosario, and they didn't want to do that. I, I don't blame them. Uh, for not wanting to pay that, uh, especially if they're not yeah, doing I wouldn't, anything. Yeah, I wouldn't want to pay Eddie Rosario $3 million. No, no. Uh, but no. yeah, bizarre. As an individual, yeah. The twins claim that they're not, you know, doing any sort of tear down, that they're just like rehauling. And they have, a, I mean, they got a lot of guys that are close to the majors that, you know, yeah. might, you know, a couple, couple pitching prospects that might be up later in the season. I think two of them are playing for Team USA in the Olympics right now. Mm-hmm. Um, oh God, that's right. Yeah, and I don't know, but I still think that uh, they're not going to be competitive next year. Um, no. And getting and... getting rid of Jose Barrios is a big signal of that. I mean, like if they hadn't gotten, I think if they hadn't gotten great offers for him, he would he would stick around. But yeah, I don't think that that I don't think it's going to happen next year. It's just it depends on too much of a bunch of young prospects all. All being hits, you know, all being winners um, for for them to compete next year. I think they're in a good position for 2023, but no, yeah. I don't think next year. And I, I think in the interest of saving time, um, we can probably skip talking about the Reds, Mariners, Braves, Cardinals, Diamondbacks, Angels, Pirates, and Orioles. And for the sake of not talking about the Rockies again, we can skip talking about the Rockies. That's fine. <laughs> totally fine by me. Do you want to just get in the mailbag then? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, the Chungler says, do you see any players that got traded at the deadline performing significantly better with their new teams for any reason? Mm. I did like that um, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, and Chris Bryant all homered on during the first game with their new team. That's very funny. <laughs> that was That is fun. That was a no. very f- fun thing to have happened. I don't know if they're going to play the rest of the season significantly better, but... I think that Gallo has had a great season, but not necessarily as good a season as he could have had. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a change of environment to like a, a, a competitive <laughs> team will bring something out of him and make him even and better. And putting a left-handed power hitter at Yankee Stadium, too. That doesn't hurt. Yeah. That does not hurt. <laughs> That's not hurt at all. No. Rizzo, too. Rizzo has not had a great season, but he's left-handed also, so he could really benefit, too. Yeah. All right. At Brugel Suspects, is the Mets not signing Kumar Rocker? Uh, a uniquely Mets move, or is it indicative of a wider problem with how teams approach draft talent? Um, yeah, we 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 need to get into this. So, uh, the Mets with uh, with their pick somehow uh, starved Van- Vanderbilt pitcher Kumar Rocker fell to them, uh, and they they drafted him, um, but he did not undergo the what the, the like pre-draft MRI but you know they still drafted him uh and they have gone past the the point now where you know you can sign your draft picks <laughs> the Mets also uh. signed a bunch of guys for the under under the dra- like slot value so they could try to <laughs> sign him and then did not sign him uh they they claim uh it's because that you know he'll he has some you know possible medical uh, issues that they that they thought that they find it not worth drafting, which is insane uh, to not sign them for that. Pitchers have to get Tommy Johns right away all the time. Yep, it's and you're not expecting insane. him to be a front of the rotation starter tomorrow. He, no, he's, he's a college pitcher, but like that's such a rare expectation, even for dominant college pitchers coming into the professional baseball. And the justifications for this I've seen are uh, really insane. 
Or it's just like, all right, well, they'll get, uh, you know, the, the 11th draft pick next year. <laughs> yeah, but he <laughs> fell to them yes. at now. 10. Yes. So zero, now you're getting yeah. 11. Yes. Zero, zero guarantee anybody in the 11th pick of the draft um, yeah. next year is any better than Kumar Rocker would be in a, a year after Tommy Very John. unlikely. I'd like to, happen. I'd like to, I'd like yeah, to Yeah, you take... found a good tweet here. Uh, walk us through this. Okay, so uh, I found a tweet. Uh, shout out to my friend Brian for making it, me aware of it. Here is a list of the Mets' first round picks since 2015. Um, also, shout out to Michael Bergman for tweeting it. Yes, sorry. Uh, I meant to say that. Uh, they didn't have one in 2015 because they signed Michael Kadire. 2016, they picked Justin Dunn and traded him. Uh, they picked Anthony Kay the same year and traded him. 2017, they picked David Peterson, who is currently on the 60-day IL. Um, 2018, they picked Jared Kelenic, who they <laughs> traded. To the Mariners, mm-hmm. yep. Uh, 2019, they picked Brett Batty. Is that, is that my saying right? Yeah, who knows? Uh, who is in AA <laughs> currently. Last year, they picked Pete Crow Armstrong, who they traded. And this year they picked Kumar Rocker, who they did not sign. So that is, in five years of first-round picks, the Mets have one guy on the 60-day IL and one guy in AA to show for it at this present moment. But, but, here comes Steve Cohen. (laughs) Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Quote, education time, (laughs) which is a great way to start off a defensive tweet. (laughs) <laughs> education time time for some game theory from Steve Cohen <laughs> baseball draft picks are worth up to five times their slot value to clubs <sighs> I never shy away from investments that can make me that type of return um I'm not I don't I'm not the most knowledgeable person but maybe one of you what the fuck is he talking about I think he's saying that like there's a case to be made that uh, the the potential value of a prospect is almost always higher than uh, the actual value of trading for a player now, uh, which is not wrong, but it's also a great way to miss out on superstars because eventually prospects do turn into busts or or, or actual MLB level players. Especially when a player as exciting as Kumar Rocker falls to you in the draft, when it was surprising yeah. that he that it took that long. If you had concerns about his elbow, you shouldn't have drafted him. Yeah. And like Walker Bueller got Tommy John's right away. Yeah, if, it happens a time. Immediately yeah, when the Dodgers drafted him. And there were years after his recovery where the Dodgers could have trade, you know, traded mm-hmm. him for all of that prospect capital and gotten a good return. Yeah. Which the Mets could have done with Kumar Rocker. It, very I don't know. It's very silly. And the, the thing that sucks about this too is that Rocker is now ineligible for a, another year. You know, he can't just yeah. go sign with another team or something. You know, and he's he said he he's probably not going back to to Vanderbilt for another year. So you know, he'll he'll just be working out his, on his own. And there are you know players that have done that and actually increased their draft stock. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just yeah. spend a year training on their own. So um, hopefully he does. And he gets drafted by a team that knocks the Mets out of a playoff series or something. I yeah, really, really I, hope that happens. Yeah, he's really the loser here because he was the one who was set up to make a good payday and is now getting screwed. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the Mets are just a, a clusterfuck of an organization. 
just still I, I like how do they yeah. keep how do they keep doing this they the the will ponds are gone yeah yeah ownership changed uh most of the front office changed i don't i don't get it Mets gonna met no. i mean that's just that's never going away i guess <laughs> all right i will say i looked up the stats for brett batty he's he's looking to be a pretty good prospect so good there's well, promise not there. good but good good <laughs> for brett batty well good for him uh and good for whatever team he gets traded to <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh this one is uh from melly and uh buckle buckle up for this one <laughs> go you know get a coffee or something it's gonna take a while to read this uh, the Rockies and the D-backs organizations are clearly way more interested in real estate enterprise than building coherent teams. Ken Kendrick, uh, that's of the Diamondbacks, has already voiced his interest in street fighting by issuing a challenge to Arizona lawyer Grant Woods. Should the MLB intervene in the interest of fans by declaring that these organizations should engage in an arena-type hand-to-hand combat by chosen fighter by which one team would be allowed to keep being insanely stupid on the organizational level and the loser must actually hire a real GM who actually pursues trades and team building. Uh, I think Dick Monfort could just appoint a challenger. Kendrick is clearly down to just do this by himself. Or, since the other three teams in the division are so insanely good, does this extremely dumb situation make for a more interesting type of inter-team competition? I think there's a lot about that question that's fair. Um, <laughs> Hell of a question, Melly. Thank you. I think Dick Monfort is a terrible owner. I think Ken Kendrick is also a pretty bad owner. Uh, and they definitely are both interested in real estate value as much as they are building a competitive team. I mean, that's a whole lot of teams. That's the Cubs. That's yeah, the A's. Yeah. That that's is a, a majority whole lot of teams. Of... Yeah. All owners are evil. Yep. Um, Potentially a super majority. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I... I... I do have to give Ken Kendrick a little bit more experience because he is not the acting GM or that he has not been for several years now. Mike Hazen has been the GM there, and I, I think he has done a fairly decent job. He is currently on leave because uh, his wife has brain cancer. But I don't think it's totally fair to compare them organizationally to the Rockies. The Rockies are much more directionless. The Diamondbacks are having a terrible year and did not do much of the trade deadline, but I, I am going to make my case for why I think there's not a ton they could have done to fix that, um, and there's some reason to be optimistic for the future, even in the NL West, where it's gonna they're be facing the in- inevitably good Dodgers every single year. Uh, th- they didn't have a ton they could trade at the deadline that was uh, a contract that was not underwater on a veteran. Uh, they could have traded Ezreal Cabrera, who's 35 and a free agent in the season. He's a league offensive bat, and he mostly plays third base and not incredibly well. Uh, a lot of teams just didn't need third baseman. They still could have chopped around and gotten something for him. Uh, they also could have traded Merrill Kelly, who has a club option for 2022 and, and has been pretty good. And that probably would have been pretty valuable in terms of return um, if they were open to it. I don't, I don't know the details. Maybe I don't know the details on why they didn't, but um, it seems like something they could have done and gotten some kind of return for. But if they think there's a chance that they do bounce back somewhat uh, next season, which is totally possible, uh, having a good pitcher is probably better than having faraway prospects. Uh, the reason they couldn't trade guys like David Peralta or Nick Ahmed, who are signed through 2023 and 2024 is because they've been playing very poorly. Uh, they both have WRC pluses in like the 75 to 80 range or lower in Nick Ahmed's case. I think they're kind of stuck on that team for a couple of years. If they had been playing better, 
They could have been veterans uh, who got them an, a nice little haul, but they're on team-friendly extensions um, that they're still not living up to in terms of like dollars per war. And they really just need to wait for those guys to bounce back at this point. There's not much else they can do about it. Uh, likewise, the Madison Bumgarner contract is untouchable. Uh, that's really most of the veterans on the club that they could have done something with. Cole Calhoun has been okay and is could probably be okay for them again next year. Um, no, actually, he's, he's been below, below average, uh, and he probably won't get re-signed. Um, but no one was really looking for an 80 WRC plus uh, outfielder uh, on the free on the on the trade market this year, I guess. Except for the Braves, they signed like three of them. Yeah, but not Cole Calhoun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the younger talent's been doing okay. Not not great, but uh, you know they're they're young and developing. Uh, Cattell Marte obviously has been really good, but in limited playing time. Uh, Carson Kelly has also been great, uh, and Dalton Varsho is improving. A slightly younger guy. Those are the two of the guys that they're hoping to be the part of the young core of the future. Kelly behind the plate, Dalton Varsho probably moving between the behind the plate and outfield. Uh, other kind of guys that are in their, you know, young core that they're hoping for the future, uh, in the next couple of years, like Zach Gallon, uh, and, and Luke Weaver have struggled, uh, with some with injury, some with just performance, but Zach Gallon still looks like he could be like a run the rotation guy and a bounce back year. Uh, I, I think this year is kind of the anomaly for a guy who's going to have a really great career. Uh, guys like Pavin Smith and Josh Rojas were like lesser prospects that, uh, have done better than expected like there's there's some something here that looks kind of like a core for the future and there's a ton of talent coming up through the minors expected in 2022 and 2023 um what's the numbers i found here for the uh, eight of their top prospects are in triple a 10 are in double a and then 14 are in a level ball but none of the top 100 overall prospects are above double a yet those are the guys that you really need like corbin carroll who uh, you, you're really baking on to have like a core here that moves forward. Uh, and the hope is that, you know, 2022 and 2023, the veterans bounce back to league average and can be like the the guys that, you know, help the younger players develop into MLB uh, everyday players. Could, could tell Marte continues to be like the kind of Paul Goldschmidt of the future, who's like the under-the-radar superstar, uh, and then all those guys around them, Carson Kelly and Dalton Varsho, Paven Smith, stay as good as they are or get slightly better. And, uh, may, you know, don't necessarily take uh, on a Dodgers level uh, roster, but right. uh, certainly do better than the Rockies. Maybe do better than the Giants without uh, dad strength Posey. Yeah, who and, knows uh, what's going to happen to the Giants here yeah, after a year or two. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an incredibly tough division, uh, but they're too good to tear it down to the studs. They're not good enough to put all the chips in right now. It's a really tough position to be in. Uh, so that's that's my pathetic defense of yeah. the Dodgers, the, the Diamondbacks front office compared to the um, to the Rockies front office, which is just plain stupid. Yeah. In a in a much better place organizationally than the Rockies. Yeah, it, like even just looking at the farm system, Diamondbacks top top five or six, Rockies bottom five. Yeah. Oof. We have one last question, and this one is a combination baseball uh and warhammer 40k question <laughs> so i'm i'm really excited for this one mm-hmm. uh in a hypothetical orc baseball league it seems like we have the setup for a perfect pitching slash perfect hitting debate if a pitcher believes they will get the out but the hitter believes they will get on base who wins 
Also sounds ripe for some Mario Sluggers outfield plays. Um, mm-hmm. So... So this is like unfor- un- unstoppable force beats immovable. Right, objects. as you know, I talked about the orcs a couple couple right. weeks ago about how right. uh, you know they they're the, the power of belief is a, is a real thing with them, um, mm-hmm. and so I think at this point it would have to be it would come up to the uh, the observers, the orcs that are observing this and what they well, believe is going to happen. Gotcha. Yeah, that wouldn't makes it, sense. Wouldn't it work if? Uh, if the if the uh, if the batter advanced on a strikeout, like would um, that satisfy the I don't the think pitcher's so. need to because it's not an out, but he did strike him out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I don't think that that would that that would do it. I don't think that that okay. counts. Um, I I I had a kind of a similar thought in Steven's line. I think the the orc pitcher throws the ball hard enough that it hits and kills the orc batter. Right. Advancing the next, <laughs> advancing the, the, you know, the pinch runner right. to take a spot while also being like as orcishly satisfying as a strikeout. That's perfect. That's the answer. I think that that's, yeah. Cause it's about getting on base. Uh, the question says not, yeah. uh, you know, hitting a home run, getting a single, anything like that. It's getting on base. Yeah. And, and you're the expert here. Like I, would you think a, an orc would appreciate, a murder as much as a strikeout. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Orcs kill each other all the time. Okay. They love. Okay. They love killing each other. Uh, the only thing that's really keeping the orcs in check is how much they love killing each other, because there's like <laughs> way more orcs than there are of like any other race in the 40k universe. Right. Um, they are. There are just tons of them. They just grow from from fungus. Uh, you if you just if you just completely firebombed kill everything on a planet full of orcs uh some of that fungus will survive and you will all of a sudden in a couple years have uh, a bunch more orcs so the only thing that they that they love more than killing you know humans or anybody else is killing each other Um, excellent so yeah no they would they would love that crowd would go wild if (laughs) a uh you know like a there was a you know a, a i mean it would probably be intentional too Mm-hmm. That this right. that this right. pitcher would do that, you know, you become the uh, like orcs never stop growing. Uh, they just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So like the oldest orcs are the biggest ones, and the biggest ones are the ones that get followed because they survive mm-hmm. the longest. Uh, so yeah, them like a big orc pitcher just like killing everybody that comes up. Uh, he'd be fine with losing that game. Yeah, you know, if he's I, just <laughs> just murdering whole lineups <laughs> full of orcs. I I think it could really be like a like a, a mighty Casey at the bat esque story. <laughs> yes, of, yes. Of like the one mighty orc pit, like hitter coming up to stop him, and like nobody else can get on base against him, and the only way he can that you know resolves the dilemma for both sides is is mighty Casey orc uh, getting his head blown off by a, a fastball. I think this is a this is a more interesting like board game than games workshops blood bowl i think yeah. the orc baseball uh-huh. league i think would be mm-hmm. a very fun game someone workshop this for yeah. us yeah let's get some let's get some concept <laughs> art drawn up and see what we can come up with yeah 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 um great question thank you dwindleton nice. um and that question and a couple of these other ones came from our brand new discord channel yeah uh we or we made a discord server i should say uh the other day Got a hundred some people in there. 
uh, talking about baseball or whatever else. There's a great channel in there. The let's let's see that pet. Uh, it is people, absolutely yeah. wild yeah. to me how yeah. fast it grew. It, yeah, it's been a ton of fun. Yeah, it was a hundred people immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. And yeah. I was I was so confused when it came up because I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> is this not the? Oh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it's very fun. Uh, so mm-hmm. you know, check our Twitter yes. account at Batten Around uh, for the link if you want to join that Discord. Uh, yeah, it's great. And I, I want to also specify um, that uh, what, what makes our uh, podcast-related Discord unique is that we are the first podcast uh, with a Discord to uh, specifically say in the rules that no grooming is allowed. Right. Yeah. Can't, <laughs> you have absolutely no grooming here. I, no, I will not be take a hard-line stance on that, that other podcasts, uh, every, no other podcast has ever made this kind of commitment yes. to n- not allowing any kind of grooming yeah. in, in the Discord. None whatsoever. Uh, I, yeah. Zero, zero, yeah. I will not be groomed. Okay. No. All right. Great episode. Lauren, thank you a ton for uh, yeah. a lot of work Excellent to put work. into this one here. Uh, you yeah, got a game sure. to get to here, so we uh, we should probably get going. Yeah, there's like a 40% chance anything I said was smart, so that feels good. It seemed pretty good. I mean, yeah, I was following seemed... the trade deadline stuff. I Yeah, it made sense yeah. to me. Okay, well, I'm going to go watch Josiah Gray pitch uh, after it takes like 40 minutes to get there because the red line's all screwed up, or the the uh, metro's all screwed up. Yeah, and, that's about uh, perfect yeah. timing for, for first pitch. So, all right, thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you next week. Bye. Talk to you later. Later. Later.